Welcome to Spew, Spectrum People Enjoying Wizardry. I'm Quirinus, and I have Asperger's Syndrome. I'm Lavender, and my daughter, Abby Cadabby, has nonverbal autism. And I now call this 31st meeting of Spew to order. Lavender. Hello, Quirinus. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, I guess. I had another class yesterday. Private class. Like, five people is all. Some dude birthday party. He drug his family along. Three teenage daughters didn't really care. They were just there painting along. Well, was it a good time? This family paid $300 for a private class. Yeah. Good. As they should. Get that money, Quirinus. I've made basically $600 working two days this month. Yeah, that's nothing to be mad at. I've spent 800 this month. Uh, well, <laughs> it'll balance itself out the, the longer this goes on. How have you guys been? Sick. Tuh. Sick. Yeah, we all three caught, I don't know, some kind of weird, like, 72-hour bug. We went and we got tested. It wasn't COVID, but, oh, it was still pretty terrible for the three-day bug. And then after it had cleared up, I got my, like, yearly sinus issues kick in. So it's just, it hasn't been fun. (laughs) The animals have gotten their yearly itchies. Yes. Are you going to give them drops or something? It's actually not nearly as bad as it used to be. The last couple years, they've both been kind of... It used to be really bad where I had to take them to get allergy shots and flea medicine shoved down their throats because they won't eat it. Important dates this month. Well, for the first half of the month, not much. Uh, Sirius Black's birthday is November 3rd. That's about it. Yeah. November's kind of a slow month. What are we talking about this month? Uh, I don't know, Queerness. What are we talking about this month? So, we are going to be talking about how changing directors have no care about continuity whatsoever. This started as I wanted to understand the layout of the castle as it is in the movies. And what I've discovered is it changes a lot, but also stays the same. Okay. (laughs) So, I wanted to talk about the layout of the castle and how it changed. Also, this castle is really big. This model is 50 foot wide and 20 feet tall. Ooh, wow. It was designed by the production designer for all 10 films, Stuart Craig. And for the first film, it took 86 artists a total combined time of 74 years to build. (laughs) It has 2,500 fiber optic lights that simulate both torches and students passing in the hallways. This thing is massive. It really is. It's <laughs> there is this great picture of Stuart Craig sitting next to the boathouse, and the boathouse is, like, taller than him. Mm-hmm. By quite a bit. <laughs> it's, like, three times his size. Well, not the boathouse, but the entire model. So... The boathouse got redesigned slightly in the last film just because it's the first time we ever went to the boathouse. But up from the boathouse, you have 
kind of the main building. I, I discovered there's basically two buildings that make up Hogwarts. So you've got the main living structure that is the part that is up on the cliffs. Mm-hmm. That is like the big recognizable section. And then you've got several bridges that go across to the section that sits on the hillside. And this is mainly where all the classrooms are. And so as you go up from the boathouse, you get to the entryway, which to me is the most noticeable change in the first three films. This is a entry building. It's got a large staircase that goes through it and then leads into the Great Hall. Starting in the fourth film, the director felt the need to change it to a courtyard. Uh, This courtyard gets a lot of use and is pretty recognizable. It is the courtyard that in the films, Harry and Voldemort have the final battle in. Okay. It does get a lot larger in the final film. (laughs) A lot larger. But this also means that the actual Great Hall moves slightly. In the original version, because of this building being in front, the Great Hall is kind of raised up and kind of like teetering on a rock ledge. When they got rid of this building, they had to lower the Great Hall down a little bit. But otherwise, the Great Hall has stayed basically the same. In, I believe, the fourth film, they added an extra tower on the front of it. There's also a um, round tower building right next to it that most people think is the caretaker's office. That kind of shifts back and forth throughout the films kind of randomly. And then you've got the Turris Magnus. This is the big round tower that is the main, like, you know, you look at Hogwarts and there's a big main tower. This is where the Grand Staircase is. And it's got three little towers that stick off from the top of it. And that's the Headmaster's Office. This one doesn't really change that much throughout the films except the staircase. This is where the moving staircases are. But then in the final film, for some reason, there's like this massive stationary grand staircase that's used for a battle scene. It's a pretty weird, jarring change. Hmm. But, but off from the Taurus Magnus, there is a square building. This is, there's a quad in the middle and there are three other towers on the corners, the Gryffindor Tower the Divination and Ravenclaw Tower, and then a Lookout Tower. And in between the Gryffindor and Ravenclaw Tower is where the hospital wing is sticking off from the backside of this structure. So this is the main building. Like, anytime they're talking about going to a specific floor or corridor, it's probably this building. And that that one stays mostly the same. The most noticeable change comes in the third film. And this is probably the most noticeable change to the overall structure of the castle. When Alfonso came in as director, he wanted to go for a grittier, more realistic look. And so this is probably the biggest overall change to the entire castle. Most of the roofs are replaced with taller, pointier roofs with more realistic shingles. Basically, the whole thing goes from looking more cartoony in the first two films to looking more rugged and realistic but overall doesn't actually change the look of it you look at it it's still hogwarts you know but he adds a building off the back of the hospital wing and this is the clock tower which is it makes sense because 
of the third film being all about time, and it creates these great motifs with a visible clock tower happening around where all the action happens. And then there's a new courtyard off the back of this tower that's got a <laughs> fountain in it. And then off from this courtyard, there's this long wooden covered bridge that's added on. So, like, he just adds this really long section off the back of the building. And if you go across this covered wooden bridge, you get to this weird new Stonehenge-looking sundial thing, which is where Hermione punches Draco. The other major change that he made to the grounds is that the castle is now on much rockier, hillier scottish looking terrain than it was in the previous films and so hagrid's hut is now across this bridge and down this hill rather than just kind of off in the back lawns but that's the main building not a lot oh changes but crazy clock tower thing added and then you have three bridges that connects this building to the other building there's a stone bridge a suspension bridge and the viaduct. The viaduct is the really visible stone bridge with the really long pillars that connects across the front of the castle. And this one stays basically unchanged throughout the first six films. And then in the final film, they decide they need a better entrance for Voldemort. And rather than coming off from the corner of the courtyard, it now comes straight off the front of the entrance courtyard and goes across the chasm to a random hill on the other side of the bank. And it's now really, really long. And then this is kept for Fantastic Beasts for some reason. But otherwise, it connects to this structure of five towers. It's just kind of an entrance hall for the viaduct. The central tower here is very recognizable in the first two films because it's a large round tower with four little round towers off from it and then when it gets redesigned for the third film it goes square and is a little bit smaller and less cartoony looking to me that's the most recognizable change because it's so immediately the giant round tower with the four round towers is gone <laughs> but then off from that is a cathedral like it is literally just a random cathedral sticking off the side of this castle and this is a structure known as the long gallery and it's basically unknown what this is i think it's the library but there no one can really confirm where the library is there's also a couple bell towers and then along the outside of this structure is where the greenhouses are and there are eight greenhouses but on the back side of the long gallery is another courtyard. So there's another square building with structures connected at the corners. So in the one corner, you have the Defense Against the Dark Arts Tower building structure thing. <laughs> and then on the other corner, you have the Training Grounds Tower structure building thing. This one changes a little bit throughout all the films. But this is just a cluster of buildings and towers that connects out onto the lawn. And there's a stone fence that goes around the lawn that's added, I think, in the third movie. But this is where the flying lessons take place. It's a place you see a lot, but is it 
a particularly specific shape or structure. It's just kind of a cluster of buildings in the back corner. But between the Defense Against the Dark Arts Tower and the Long Gallery, there is a section of wall that I believe in the first two films is... There's like a building there. But then in the third film, yet another weird change, a tower is added here. It's not a particularly recognizable tower. It's just kind of a weird, tall, skinny tower, which is where Sirius Black is held captive for some reason. And it's the only thing this tower is used for. And then it just stays there for the next several films. Until Half-Blood Prince. And you get to Half-Blood Prince, and they realize we don't have a large tower for Dumbledore to fall out of. So, they build a new one. <laughs> the defense against the Dark Arts Tower and the Dark Tower both disappear. The defense against the Dark Arts building structure is still there on that corner. But the actual tower basically rotates around. The shape of it is it's like half rounded on one side and flat on the back side. Well, now that flat side is on the front and it's taller and it has a big open window for Dumbledore to fall through. Sad. <laughs> and so that tower then remains throughout the rest of the films as is. And they have the ability... To, like, try to canonize this as just the castle changing over time. When they get to Half-Blood Prince and they did more backflash stuff, they could have shown the old castle in the backflashes, but no, they showed the current one. And then they chose to use the version with the viaduct that goes across the chasm for Fantastic Beasts for some reason. Which, kind of a related note, the version of... The castle that's on display at the making of Harry Potter is as it appears in Half-Blood Prince. Because when they made these changes for the final film, most of them were done CG. So the technology had finally gotten to the point that they could realistically just do the castle in CG. And so in Fantastic Beasts, it's entirely CG and actually looks like if you look at comparison shots of the model as it appears in the first film versus the CG version as it appears in Fantastic Beasts. And the Fantastic Beasts version looks far more realistic. Also, the Owlry is a random tower in the middle of nowhere that just kind of appears in the fourth film. But that's about it. Any questions? No. Okay. Ooh, I didn't get a trivia question. I thought you were just trying to keep it secret for me. No, I, I would just black it out like I normally do even though you highlight it and cheat okay here's a question mm -hmm. what should you watch out for on the hidden staircase concealed by a tapestry this is Jeffrey the financial advisor for Spew at Gringotts Bank and now we return to Spew alright have we had this one before I don't know we may have so Lavender what should you watch out for on the hidden staircase concealed by a tapestry the trick stair. That is correct. The vanishing step. Poor Neville. <laughs> he always got it. <laughs> Alright, some news. Not a lot going on, thankfully. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the internet got into a bit of an uproar about finding out that Draco only has 31 minutes of airtime the entire series. Yeah. 
Which is kind of interesting. You, you don't really think about it, but he's not that important, and he doesn't show up, but for, like, a couple scenes in each movie. Yep. But for comparison, Harry has 539 minutes. Ron and Hermione both have about 200. Uh, Snape, only 43. Voldemort, 37. <laughs> Molly, only 9 minutes and 45 seconds. Really? Which is just sad. <laughs> but my favorite little fact here. Fred, 19 minutes and 45 seconds. And George, 20 minutes, 15 seconds. George has exactly 30 seconds more screen time. How? Vegan butterbeer is coming. It's available in the UK. Probably will be in the US soon. But no timeline set up yet. Hmm. The Spoon Cafe, previously Nicholson's, where large sections of Philosopher's Stone is written, is closing because of COVID. Hmm. So, you know, that's sad. It's it's sad that lots of businesses are closing. Yeah. Yet another first edition sells for 60000 at auction. Don't have much facts about that one, but... We just know that it happened. You would think that after all of the uh, JK controversy, the, the price would go down. <laughs> <laughs> you would think maybe a little. Oh, I think enough people are just kind of like, the books are their own thing. She's not getting the money for it. Why not? <laughs> So um, I think we talked about this before. Mina Lima Designs, who, do, who was the graphic design team for the movies, have a new illustrated edition of Sorcerer's Stone, Philosopher's Stone that just came out. And it actually features eight interactive paper craft elements. Like there's a fold out Diagon Alley and there's a fold out Hogwarts acceptance letter. Oh, it looks neat. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Illustrated edition of Quidditch Through the Ages also came out. And so to celebrate that, there are 11 real world towns mentioned in Quidditch Through the Ages. And so they were all given honorary Quidditch town status. Not sure what that means. There's like a little sign. Eddie Redmayne talked to Jimmy Fallon about filming in the pandemic and got a little more insight into what happened when they started shooting because we knew it was supposed to start somewhere around a weekend we thought it was monday and then like they waited till like the day of to cancel i was like they actually started filming on friday and then didn't film over the weekend and then we're told sunday night that they were shutting down production so for some dumb reason, they tried to actually start shooting. They tried it. <laughs> but they are back up and filming now for a couple weeks. Everyone's in bubbles and there's testing and everyone's masked when they're not on set. And so, yeah. Although uh, Jurassic World Dominion was also had tons of precautions and stuff. And they still got some positive tests and got shut down for a couple weeks. So... Who knows? The Ichabog comes out November 10th. And J.K. Rowling posted about receiving her early copy and posted a couple pictures of some of the winning images. Um, she also wanted to remind everyone that her royalties for this book was going to COVID-19 charities. So Just to make sure people still buy it. <laughs> Tom Felton is playing a villain in the Netflix original movie Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting. Oh, here's a fun one. 
So the steam engine that is used as the Hogwarts Express, it was actually originally, I believe, up for scrap when they decided to use it for the movie. So it's not used much, but occasionally it makes a trek. And so it made an appearance in the Drumree train station and a whole bunch of people showed up. And as it passed through the train station, another train going in the opposite direction passed in front of it. So there's just a bunch of videos of people waiting for this train and then this other train passes in front and they're all amazing. It's sad, but absolutely hysterical. A statue depicting Harry in his first Quidditch match was added to Leicester Square in London, which is a place where there's a bunch of like movie character statues. There's Bugs Bunny and Laurel and Hardy and Mary Poppins and Gene Kelly and Batman and Paddington and Mr. Bean. Oh, okay. I did a lot of really fast talking. Yeah, this was kind of a speedy one. Also, just don't, didn't have a whole lot to talk about. Uh, n- next episode on the 15th, we're going to be finishing up Order of the Phoenix as a metaphor for autism. Mm-hmm. So you can always join in the conversation by sending us an email at spewcast at gmail.com or send us a howler at 407-706-SPEW. You can click the link in the description. You can send us a voice memo to that email address lots of ways to get in touch send us a message on twitter spectrum people yeah we're also on instagram at spewpod and on tiktok at spewcast and as always we'd like to thank joan burr for our theme music until next time i'm queerness and i'm lavender and as luna lovegood says don't worry you're just as sane as i am bye bye